0: I am personally excited uh, because we are only three days away from the end of fasting. <laughs> I'm looking forward to eating. <laughs> um, I sincerely would like to thank the leadership of the church for entrusting me with this pulpit this morning. I do not take it for granted. Thank you very much, pastors. In a special way, I would like to welcome my husband. Um <laughs> Um, this is his first day to KICC, yes, so thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Yes, uh, it has it has made it possible for my husband to follow us to church today. Thank you very much, Alfred. Um, I would also like to welcome my sister and her daughter, and also my friend Tandi Madalo and Tia, as well as. Um, as well as evangelical. Um, These are my circle. They are my people. When I told them I was preaching at church, they said, we've got to be there. Amen, church? Thank you very much, everyone. Uh, from the moment that the Lord gave us the word for the month, new season, new levels, he has taken us on a journey where he has, you know, tried to position us. He has also inspired us. He has encouraged us and he has comforted us. You know, um, when um, pastor said we are going to go into a serious time of prayer and fasting, he took us through a preparatory message. He said the Lord has specifically said we were going to have supernatural visitations. And um, one of the things that he mentioned was that we are going to have encounters with angels. But apart from that, I, I remember Sissy I mean, when she came to preach. She said, one of the things that the Lord wants us to know in this season is to go back to the basics of our Christianity, which is our salvation. She specifically said, we need to go back and understand what was achieved on the cross. And once we understand that, it will be so easy for us to maximize whatever the Lord wants to do for us in this season. And um, later, Sister Cynthia also came and she said, you know, after we have known what was achieved on the cross, after we understand the salvation, and you know we have moved from despising the Lord, we need to deepen our relationship with the Holy Ghost. We need to spring up. We need to... They are fruits in our Christian work because the Lord expects us to grow. The Lord expects us to make progress. And um, last week, Sister Asimene took us through a session where she said, after all of this, there is a need for us to position ourselves. If we are to receive from God, we need to position ourselves. So this morning, I will be delivering on an extension from positioning ourselves. To make sure that we receive so much from what the Lord has prepared for us in this season. About thirteen years ago, my friend in Homa, a husband to uh, Dorien introduced me to Joe Austin. He he said, "Mimi, I listened to this guy, and um, I feel like you like him." I said, "Okay." So I listened to him the very first time. Then I listened to him the second time. Then I started listening to him daily, to the point that. I started to memorize his sermons. And um, I think five or six months I had daily listened to him and given the name Joel to my son Joel. I, I remember walking back to him and I said, um, I think there are two things that I really want to do in my life. The first thing that I want to do is, um, you know, fly to the U.S., uh, go to the church where Joel Austin prays. Uh, he leads, um, he heads the church called Lakewood, which is based in Houston, Texas. So I said, I want to go to his church, listen to him in person. After that, I want to walk to him and say, Oh, thank you so much for touching my life. You have greatly influenced my Christian world. But the second thing that I said was, Should I ever have an opportunity to stand before people? And, um, you know, to preach the word and, um, you know, or preach in any way. I would want to open a sermon in the same way that Joe Austin does it. So since today is the day, I want us to, you know, to do it in the same way that Joe Austin does it. (laughs) Yeah, so Joe Austin will often share a joke, and then he will go to a declaration, like he will lead the church do a declaration. I will not attempt the joke. I didn't prepare for one, and I'm also not very good with it. But I would want for us to make the declaration. So I'd like to request each and everyone in church to lift your Bibles to heaven. You will say after me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the word of God. I boldly confess my mind, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. And then church. Amen, church. Um, let us open our Bibles to the book of Psalm. Psalm chapter one hundred and fifteen and verse sixteen. When you are there, say, Amen, church. Psalm 115 and verse 16. And the Bible reads, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Other version says, the earth he has given to mankind. Another version says, the earth he has given to the human race. What the Bible is trying to tell us is that we live in a world of people. You cannot live in this world and ignore the presence of other people. It means in this world, that gatekeepers or the custodians of this world are people. The Lord has entrusted this world to people. If we go back to the story of creation in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, and um, Verse 26, the Lord said, let us, man, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. But as he was saying that in the end, he said, take the earth, subdue it, have dominion. This was God giving the world, giving the earth to human beings. In case the only time you think uh, dominion matters is uh, when binding the devil, when binding Evil spirits, no. The world has been given unto human beings. And because the world has been given unto human beings, we need to know that we cannot function in this world outside of human beings. We need them. Why am I saying we need them? Uh, When you go to the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, after God had created himself, I, I mean, after God had created the the heavens and the earth, um, he, he, he said to man, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Oftentimes, this verse has been quoted during weddings or in reference to marriage. But today, I want to show you a different aspect altogether. When the Lord said it is not good for man to be alone, what he was saying is, man cannot live in isolation. Any person cannot live in isolation. We cannot make it in this world outside of other people. We need people. We need to help. We need the help of others. And because we need the help of others, the Lord today will teach us a way to position ourselves to ensure that we maximize the help of others, which is the help of God through people. Um, the Bible. In the book of uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 52 says, And Jesus grew or advanced in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. Why did God bring up that, he was also, that, that Jesus was also in favor with man? For so whatever Jesus had come to do in this world... He needed the favor of man because he was in a world which is managed, which is in control of men. And you should know that in as far as this control that the Lord has given to this world is concerned, he respects it. He respects it. The Lord respects this control that he gave to men or to people to control this world. This is why Jesus had to come in the form of a man. So that he would save us. So that he would feel what, what we feel. So that he would, you know, experience what we experience. And then come back to us and say, I understand. How would he have said that if he was just God and he didn't live amongst us as people? So you should not trivialize the fact that we live in a world where people are very important. And um, from all of this, I want us to... The Book of Matthew, and um, Matthew chapter twenty-five, from verse thirty-one up to forty-five. Um, I hope you take time to read it, but I will just try to explain um, what what that um, scripture says. It talks about the day of judgment. The Bible says when we get to the day of judgment. The Lord Jesus will come in his glory. He will place the sheep on the right, and he will place um, the goats on the, on, on the left. And um, he will say to the sheep, oh, thank you so much for, you know, being there for me. And he will say, oh, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And they will ask him, when did we do that? His, then his response will be, Whatever you did to the list of my brothers, you did unto me. And then he will also say the same to the gods. That, you know, you didn't visit me, you were not there for me. What this really means is that the Lord has entrusted your next level, your every accomplishment, my every accomplishment, in the hands of another person. This is why he will ask. This is why he will hold accountable anyone who hasn't done to others what they are supposed to do. And um, I want to make something clear. The Lord is the one that blesses. The Lord is he's still the one that blesses. He's the one that is in control of everything. But he has entrusted us to be a blessing unto others. He has entrusted others to be a blessing unto us. And um, now I want to introduce what I want to preach, the, the topic for today. So the sermon this morning will talk about God's intervention through destiny helpers or through people. So when we talk about destiny helpers, who are destiny helpers? So destiny helpers are people who are equipped assigned, ordained, and sent by God to help another person. So remember, the Lord has deposited our next level, our next accomplishment. Whatever that the Lord has set for us to do, he has invested that in the life of another to help us get to that level. So in as far as destiny helpers are concerned, we have four dimensions. And, um the first dimension of destiny helpers are what we call divine connectors. Divine connectors basically are people that don't look like they can help you. They, they often don't have what it takes to lift you or to take you to the next level of life. There are people who we interact with every day. This can be a friend, a husband, a child. You know, They are people we are so used to they can be a maid. So I'll make reference to, I think, one of the divine connectors uh, from the book of uh, 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 5, from verse 1 up to 14. Because also the scripture is too long, I'll just try to explain it. I hope you take time to read as you go back to your various homes. There's a story about Naaman. The Bible says Naaman was a great man of war. He was a very honorable man in the Syrian army. And this Naaman was leprous. The Bible says in one of the wars that Naaman and the Syrian army went against Israel, they captured some people. And one of the people they captured was a slave girl. And this slave girl was a in Naaman's house, serving Naaman's wife. And when she noticed that Naaman was leprous, she told the wife of Naaman that if only your husband could go to Israel and meet a prophet called Elisha, you know, his, his leprosy could be cured. Of course, Naaman argued here and there, and um, but eventually he went. And when he went there, He met with Elisha, and he got his healing. You know, it makes sense when the pastor says, God bless you. It makes sense when the pastor gives you a sense of direction to say, oh, in this case, do this. It doesn't make sense when your friend will say, I think what the Lord is saying, you should do this. But if the Lord can use a donkey... If the Lord can use a slave girl to help Naman get his healing, the Lord surely can use anyone. This is why the Bible says we need to honor all men. We need to honor all men. The Bible says this in the first, uh, the first book of Peter, chapter 2 and verse 17. And the Bible also requires or tells us to, to, to live in peace with all people. The reason is you may not know if this person that you are dealing with is your divine connector. I, I remember when I graduated from, um, from, from, from college, I, I, I went to the Ministry of Education and I applied for a secondary school teacher position. And my sister, my firstborn sister, said, um, you, should, you should ask that you should be sent to Jerusalem Secondary School because in our family, uh, our first job always has to be to Chirazwilu because that is where our father comes from. So I said, we have to go there and give back because this is where the man who brought us into this world came from. So I said, okay. And all my friends were going to schools in Blantyre, and, you know, I went there. And whilst I was in Chirazwilu Secondary School, I met a certain young man. And um, this guy, his name was Stevie Aziz, He used to be a teacher also. But he was very quiet, as quiet as Mr. Koran, if I may say. So, <laughs> so he would, you know, he would often come in, he would often come in the staff room the time he was supposed to go and teach. And you know, would you would discuss him, would you know, gossip about how does he teach? The way he's quiet, you know, and um, he used to buy newspapers. And oftentimes when he came in the staff room, a few minutes before his class he would be on his newspaper. He wouldn't even conversate with us. One, One day, as he was reading his newspaper, he he said, "Madam um, mm-hmm. I said, yes, I think I've, I've identified a job which I think is suitable for you. And you know, I was busy looking at people. He's talking to me. And, and I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, I think you should take a look at it and try to apply it. To apply for it. I said, okay. So I went to him, um, got the advert. It was for a role with um, PSI. I went home that evening. I applied for the job. And I was called for interviews. And eventually I got the job. Looking back, I look at him as my divine connector. Because this position is the one that launched my career now. This is where everything that I am in my career today began. I could have trivialized to say, I mean, he's just a quiet guy. I mean, what's gotten to him to talk to me today? You know, I would have made all sorts of, you know, comments. I mean, we used to, you know, we used to gossip about this guy. How does he teach? But on this day, he had a blessing for me. So people of God, this morning... Could it be that you are not at the next level that you need to be because you are realizing your divine connector? Could it be that you have been rude to the divine connector that the Lord has set upon your path? Could it be that you are ignoring them? Could it be that, you know, you're looking at them and say, I mean, they are just a maid. I mean, this is just my husband. This is the way they behave. Or this is my wife. They talk a lot. I mean, this is my... So, church, the Lord has deposited our next level, our next blessing in the life of another person. The next level of divine connectors that I want to talk about are people of access and influence. And let the divine connector, who don't have what it takes, to get you to the next level. The people of access and influence have what it takes. These are people like Pastor. Pastor is um, the chief advisor to the first lady. If I wanted to meet the first lady, I'll have to play tricks. I'll have to get to Pastor and try to convince him. And surely, I'm sure he can arrange something. He is at the gate. He is where things are happening. He is there with the kings. Right? So, what I'm trying to show you guys, what I'm trying to show you church, rather. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Master. Yeah, What I'm trying to, what I'm trying to showcase here is you don't handle people with access, people with influence, in the same way. And, 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 and tra- trust me, I'm not I'm not trying to say you handle another person lesser than the other. But there's an honor we give to people of access and influence. You know, um, when I got married to my husband, one thing that I have learned in as far as his consent is, um, he, he knows how to give, you, you know, he knows how to give them the honor. Mia would actually say, I think you're groovy. me." Mia would say, I think you are, you know, you're making a fool of yourself." I feel like it's just too much. But my husband has been in places where I haven't been. You know, he has, he has met people. He has met kings in this country. He has talked to, you know, people whom I will need. Yes, who matter, people who matter. People whom I will have, to, if, if I have to get to talk to them. I'll have to go through him. Why? It's because he has honored people of influence. These people have what it takes to even change your life in a second. Your life can change when these people give you their endorsement. Let me show you what happened, um, Um. I think, a few weeks ago. Cristiano Ronaldo was um, attending a press conference and um you know he he sat on this table and uh, there were two coca cola bottles and a bottle of water as he sat down to you know to have this pre um pre pre conference pre what pre march what do you call it pre march what pre march conference um he pre march press conference he you know, he removed the two bottles of Coca-Cola from, from, from the table, moved them to the side, and then he took a bottle of water and waved it. He said, I'm going to take this. Hmm? Do you know what happened? In a few days, the Coca-Cola company lost 2.8 billion pounds. This is the power of a person of influence and access. This is what a person of influence and access can do. In just a few days. And you know they had to release a statement saying, Oh, everyone has a right to enjoy a drink that they drink. (laughs) But in a way, Cristiano Ronaldo sabotaged them. If today Cristiano Ronaldo woke up and said, Oh, I love Coca-Cola. The sales will go up. Trust me. They will go up. So the world has people like this. If you know people like this, you don't treat them carelessly. Because in a few seconds, in a few minutes, in 24 hours, they can change your life. And your life can never be the same. Let me show you what happened in the book of Genesis. I'll also not read the entire chapter because it's long and I'll try to explain. Genesis chapter 41, from verse 1 to 56. We are Bible people, right? Okay, so we we all know the story about Joseph, right? How his brother sold him into Egypt. He ended up in Potiphar's house. And after he ended up in Potiphar's wife, and then he ended up in the prison, right? Whilst in the prison, Joseph um, one day interpreted the dreams of the wine presser and uh, the chief baker. And, um, you know, eventually the chief baker went... And uh, he was killed, and his body was eaten by the birds, as the interpretation had, 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 had said. But when it came to the wine presser, he was reinstated in his position. And um, he went back to the palace, and he was sitting next to the pharaoh. This person had access. This person was an influential person. He could talk with pharaoh. But the Bible tells us he forgot. He forgot about Joseph. But after some time, the pharaoh had a very disturbing dream, and he needed interpretation. And during this time, you know, all the people in Egypt that could interpret dreams were called, and none could interpret it. And uh, the white person said, oh, I forgot, you know, I remember when I was in prison, I had a dream together with the chief baker. there was a man in Hebrew. His name was Joseph, and, um, you know, he helped us interpret our dreams. And um, the Pharaoh said, call for him. And Joseph was brought to the king, and he interpreted this dream. And after interpreting this dream, in 24 hours, his life changed. From a prisoner, he became the prime minister of what? Of Egypt. This is what an influential person can do. They can refer you to someone. And in a few hours, in a few hours, you know, I, I, I watched the, the entire Martha Jizumani story that was happening. You know, she underwent some interviews. I'm not trying to be political. I'm just trying, trying to show you what the influence can do. You know, when she went for interviews, we were told she had failed and she couldn't make it to the ACB. But people of influence spoke up. People of influence spoke up. People with access and influence spoke up. And the decision was changed. Now she's the director of ACB. And... um. I think the final, the final story I want to tell you is um, about a certain man I recently saw on Nibawa TV. This man didn't have teeth, and, but he's a comedian. So one day, he was, you know, doing his comedy in front of the vice president. And um, whilst there, his friend said, can you open your mouth? And he opened. And his friend said, Mr. VP, as you can see, I mean, this guy is entertaining you, he's making you laugh, but he doesn't have teeth. I think you should do something about it. He was saying it in a, in a in a joking way and you know, in a dramatic and comedy way, the same way that people, you know, who who are jokers do. And you know, at the end of it, the vice president gave him teeth. And this guy and this guy went back to me and said, Oh, you remember? you remember that time I, I, I stood to do a comedy before the vice president. The vice president took me to, you know, to a hospital where they gave me new teeth. Oh, and these are my teeth. And he opened his mouth and just said. Like, and for me, you know, I just felt like his, his teeth were with the vice president. His teeth were with the vice president. So this is the same way. That I'm saying, our next level, the next accomplishment, this new season, whatever you are believing God for, the Lord has placed it in the hands of another person. Let us not trivialize people. Let us not treat people, you know, in a funny way. Where honor is required, give it. Where respect is required, give it the next um, group of uh, destiny helpers that I want to talk about are what we call gifted men. I will make reference to the first book of Samuel. Samuel chapter 16 verse 17 to 18. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jess, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and comely person, and the Lord is with him. Mr. Levincomer, your printing business requires that you have gifted men. Pastor, this church... You require to. You are required to pray gifted men into your life. Why? Gifted men get things done. Gifted men help you save. Gifted men are efficient. These are not advisors. These are not people who have to direct you what to do. But these are gifted people. They have what it takes to help you get to the next level because of the gift that they have upon their lives. And you don't take these gifted people for granted. Sometimes these gifted people can be your boss. He is very good, she is very good, but yet very rude. You sit there, you learn. You sit there, you get whatever you need to get for your next level. Because when you go to the next interview, they'll be asking you, so what do you do? And if you don't know what your boss does, if you have no idea, you may not get that job. I personally do not take gifted people for granted. Mothers. Mothers in this house. Do we have mothers in this house? Do we have house helps in this house? Do we have mothers who have house helps? We need to pray for gifted house helps. I, for one, want to make it great in my career, I really want to make it big. And one of the things I want is a house help that is efficient that can get the job done when I'm not present. Sometimes I travel because of my work. So I want to make sure that if the kids have to go to school on the day I'm in the field, these ones don't have to make my children late. These ones have to remember that today my kids have sports at work, I mean at school. We need gifted people. We need gifted people. Because they will save you a lot of heartache. They will save you a lot of, you know, things that could have, you know, could have been done differently. So in as far as gifted people are concerned, we need also to pray that into our lives as destiny helpers at every level that we are at. And um, the final destiny helpers that we need are what we call burden bearers. Burden bearers, are people like Ruth. If you remember last week, Sister Srinye, you know, when she was preaching, she said, Ruth refused to leave. Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16, Ruth said after Naomi had said, I want to go back, I mean, go back just like your sister-in-law, I mean, your sister in marriage has gone. Ruth said, don't make me leave you, for I want to go wherever you go. I want to live wherever you live. Your people will be my people. My God will be my God. Bread and bearers are people that will be there for you. People people that will be there for you no matter what. My sister has a friend. Her name is Tawil. In January this year, my sister had COVID. And we were admitted at Waiya. And you know how hectic that period was? Everyone was scared. Of course, for Christians, we still trusted and believed God. But this this friend that we became, not once, every other day we were in hospital, she came. She would come and see my sister. She would come and see my sister. She would come in and speak into the life of my sister. She would tell my sister, you are going to be well. And you know what? After this, we are going to go to the lake. You know, after this, we are going to... <laughs> But what she was doing was bearing the burden of my sister. That period was hectic. That period was scary. But every single day, she made it to come. She made it to come. These are people that will be there for you. These are people that will allow you to make a mistake and still see the good in you. They are are not tolerating you, but they will be there for you. You know, um, I, I I remember there was um, a certain girl who's, who had made a blunder and um, everyone was talking about it. You know, everyone was talking about it and everyone was trying to give her a heyday, you know. Um, she's a slut, she's this, she's that. And um, I remember... Um, Years after that had happened, she said, I remember a friend of mine came and said, Yes, you may have done it. Yes, that is what people are saying. But as for me, I still believe you're a good person. I still believe you made an honest mistake. I still believe there's something good in you. And she said, this is what, you know, made her move from that place of shame to a place where now she could make it and talk about it years later. I, I have um, a friend of mine. Um, she experienced four miscarriages. And um, I remember going to her house one day. And when I got there, Initially, when I was leaving, I had, you know, these encouraging things to say. But I was also like, Lord, what do you say to a mother or to a woman who desperately wants a child? And she has lost four pregnancies. What do you say? Like, what what sort of thing do you say? You know, I got there. And when I got there, I started, and I started crying. Oh, you should have seen me. I was crying <laughs> as if... There was a funeral. You know how we ladies cry at a funeral? Oh my goodness, I cried. I looked at her and I cried. And then she started crying. And we broke down. If you had found us that day, you would have thought we had received, you know, certain news. But we hadn't. That day I cried. And we cried for an entire hour. And when I was leaving, I didn't even say anything. I just said, so see you. And I left, and I went home. You know, six months later, she called me and she said, a lot of people helped me, but the person who greatly helped me was you. I wanted somebody to come and cry with me. I, I wanted to have a crying session. You know, because everyone was telling me, oh, God is still good. You know, the Lord will still give you a child. Remember Hannah? Remember the way he. You, there are moments when you you don't you don't need to remember. Yes, you don't. These moments you just require somebody to bear that burden with you. You just require that person to sit with you. You just require that person to listen. You know, the other day I laughed when Pastor said, "One day Dr. Melda was expectant, and she just said." I want to cry. And Pastor let her cry. And, and for an entire, I think, 30 minutes, she was crying, crying, crying. And after that, she said, oh, now I feel better. Now we can proceed to do whatever we we're supposed to do. But life weighs down on us in different ways. We need people that will stand by us. We need people that, you know, in the time of adversity, they'll still believe the goodness. They'll still say, Miriam, you made a mistake. Mimi, this may have happened, but I still believe at heart you're a good person. I still believe you fear God. I still believe you love God sincerely, and this was just a mistake. Church, as much as you need the burden-bearers, you also have to learn to be burden-bearers of other people. In this church, in your families, with your friends, you need to be there for them. They need to know. And, and you know, burden-bearers in this day and age, really, are very scarce. Today, my best friend is Madalo. I tell her my secrets. And... Um, a few months later we are not talking she goes around telling oh by the way do you know you know when we were friends this is what she did this is what she was saying oh that one Bread and there are people who who maintain their stand about you in your presence and outside for me as far as my friend Madano is concerned one thing that i am so sure about is if i ever made a mistake in this world and everyone was against me. She would say, "No, Miriam is a good person. We all need people like that in our lives. We all need people like that, and we also need to be people like that. We need to learn to bear the burdens of other people." And um, finally, I just want to talk about how we can maximize or how we can benefit from the ministry of um, these burden bearers. Um, the first thing that we we can do is um, in reference to Jeremiah 20, Jeremiah 18 and verse 1 up to 6. We should allow God to break us and make us. We should allow God to show us the purpose that he has called us. Because not every man of influence is your man of influence. Not everyone who is gifted is for you. So we need to allow him to break us and make us. And direct us and show us the purpose that He has called us to, so that you know we are directed to these people. The second thing that we need to do is to pray. The destiny help us into our lives. The Bible says God is is, is the Father of all spirits of all our souls. He can speak to the people that are supposed to come to you. He will speak them. He will speak to them so that they come into your life. So we need to pray that the Lord helps us to to be in touch with these people. The third thing that we need to do to maximize is um, to honor all men. 1 Peter 2.17 And also live at peace with all people. Let us learn not to trivialize people. Let us learn not to take people for granted. Let us honor each and every person that the Lord has placed along our path. Um the, the next thing that we also need to pray for is for discernment, a closer walk with the Holy Ghost. That when something is spoken to us, when something is said to us, we should know. About, I think a week ago, I was standing by the car with Mrs. Uh, Rose. And Mrs. Um, Rose was pointing at Duncan and said, oh, who is, who is, who is that guy? I said, oh, that is Duncan told I husband to Tandy police. I said, oh, I know Tandy. I've known Tandy for a very long time. I didn't know that that was her husband. And I said, oh, Duncan, can you come? And then he came. He said, oh, Sister Rosie wants to, you know, to know you in person. So he removed his mask and said, oh, this is me. In the so I did that introduction. And then he said, oh, how is, how is the United Nations? I said, oh, it is good. He said, yeah, okay. And then as he was walking away, he said... But Miriam, because of your UN experience, you may want to consider this. And this thing that he said, it is something that I've been praying to God about. This thing that he said is something in the line of career, in in the line of my career that I'm trusting God for. And when he said it, I turned and I said, oh, thank you. I didn't trivialize that. For me, it was God confirming that, you know what, I'm not Outside of his will. And within his will. And you know this was just a social chat. So this is why I'm saying we need to pray for discernment. to know. And then we also need to be intentional about linking ourselves to the men of influence and access. Uh, Because I didn't ask the permission uh, of the owner. I will just uh, tell it. Uh, hiding, their, hiding their, 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 their identity. There's um, a friend of mine in this church. She told me she has been looking for a job for the past years. And, um, you know, she couldn't get a job. She's been applying and, you know, doing this and that. But another man of influence influence in this church gave her a job. What did she do? She intentionally linked herself to this man. Knowing this man has what it takes to give her a job. And this person is now working. Her prayer point, the answer to her prayer point was the human being. It was this man of influence. So I want you to know that it is good to pray but your blessings are in this world and the Lord has deposited them here. It's possible you are, you, you, you are sitting next, you know, to your destiny to your Helper. It's possible. It's possible you are sitting next to the person who is supposed to lift you. This is why you are not supposed to take people for granted. And um, we are now going to go into a time of prayer. Knowing that the Lord has deposited everything that we need, and this is His word, because He said He has given the world to the sons of men. We are going to go into a time of prayer, and um, I would want to request each one in church to rise up on your feet as we take time to pray.